welcome to Stateside F1. I'm Joe Leonardo. That man making the noise of, I'm going to say, a Ferrari car getting all of the penalties in the world. It's Andrew Berger. Hey guys, how you doing? Good to be here. What a race, Joe. And we are talking Dutch Grand Prix. Where to begin? I gotta say, after watching qualifying, I wasn't expecting the race to be as really enjoyable. It was exciting from the beginning all the way to the end. Yeah. Qualifying was a little more straightforward, I feel, but the race was all over the place just because of tire management. I mean, I'm thinking at the end of the race, I'm already moving towards the end of the race because I was just so profound of, again, Mercedes just not just gambling again like they did at the end of 21 and losing miserably like why didn't bono pit hamilton they pit russell they were they were just hamilton's the scapegoat he's the new scapegoat well they didn't pit russell russell pitted himself you're right he got on the radio and said tires are not working i'm coming in for softs and they scurried to get softs on his car. That wasn't a call from strategy. Russell made the strategy call himself, which basically got him podium. Sounds very Ferrari-like. It was very, it was a very Ferrari move. Actually, a lot of the, uh, a lot of the memes were like, you know, pictures of Toto Wolf being like to Ferrari, hey, can I borrow your strategist? <laughs> Look at show notes, dude. <laughs> oh, now I got to find them. <laughs> but it was very Ferrari indeed. I felt so bad for Hamilton because their one-stop strategy was working flawlessly. They were killing on those hard tires. They were flying. Yeah. I remember when Russell overtook, I want to say Perez. Yeah, that was a big on one. On the hards, I was like, this they're, they're killing it. This was a lap 39. Russell overtakes Perez. I wrote down, Merck is flying on the hards, exclamation point. They were killing it. And Russell went up on the bankage to pass, didn't he? Yeah. I love that track because it looks like a Hot Wheels track. It so is a Hot Wheels track. It has a lot of NASCAR DNA in it. What Formula One's missing is they should have a Formula One race the same weekend at the same location. They should do a joint race with NASCAR. It's like it's like it's like Formula One being like, hey NASCAR, you're popular in this segment of audience. Can we go on your podcast? Which also means, can we just do a race weekend with you? Formula One won't lower themselves to the standards of NASCAR. Well, yeah, What? how much are NASCAR tickets? Come on, Formula One is, is about class. It's about prestige. It's posh. Lando Norris is doing like handbag advertisements. I was in the airport flying back from LA this weekend. I watched the whole race on my iPad. And honestly, it's the best for flying because I had to pause it. When I was in Denver halfway through and then watched the rest of it when I was in Cleveland. So, <laughs> so when I was on the plane for like the two hours, I was just like kind of organizing my notes and being like, this is going well for Hamilton. I think he's going to win this. And then we <laughs> land and I watch the rest and I'm like, oh God. <laughs> <laughs> Hamilton was even on the radio going like, what, I think I'm going to quote him here and I'll bleep it out just so we get that clean rating. But he goes, you guys fucked me. Yeah. On the radio. And again, like I mentioned last week, these guys know that what they say on the radio is going to be broadcast on TV. Yeah. They know it's a larger statement than just talking to the person on the other side of the radio. So when Hamilton goes, you guys fucked me, 
you know, whatever, this is a strategy or whatever else he said, he know he knows he's communicating that to the world. Toto Wolf kind of put it under the carpet. He said, yeah, the racers get really uh, dramatic and things just come out of their mouth that you just have to brush off. Yeah. And Hamilton really keeps his composure. I mean, after Abu Dhabi last year. He does. He's the only driver well, next to Vettel, I noticed, that could do that. I guess because Daniel Ricciardo, you could tell he's just like distraught. Oh, he doesn't care. He's going away next year. Did you hear about the... Uh the overheard uh, audio of him saying he's taking a year off and he might come back. I didn't realize it was audio, but... Well, it's like a recording and there's audio, obviously, of the recording and he's like walking by a camera and I forget who he's talking to. I don't remember if it's Signs or Checo. I can't remember now. It, I think it was Checo. Was it Checo? I mean, he's been in Formula One, what, since 2011? Sure. Yeah, he could use that year off. Hamilton's been an F1 since 2007. I mean, he's really the only driver on the grid that hasn't taken a year off. Yeah, of the veterans. Yeah, that's right. Been racing longer than 10 years. I heard Ricardo might go as a test driver to Mercedes, though. Or a reserve driver, excuse me. Yeah, I saw that too, but I didn't really know what to make of it because I didn't see it repeated. As with a lot of F1 rumors, it's you see it, you see everything once. You see like, you know, Sebastian Vettel is going to become the new voice of McDonald's. I don't know. But you see like every rumor, every made up rumor, you see it once. I feel like once you see it like three times, four times in different publications, then you're like, okay, there's, you know, some truth to this. Like right. the Danny Rick stuff that he's going to be kicked out of McLaren. Right. We saw that early and then we're like, eh, maybe. <laughs> then when we started seeing it four times, five times, six times, and then, you know, they're talking about it on race weekends. You're like, okay, this is definitely truth. Yeah, I, I see that. I see that. Well, I heard more news. Colton Herta, he doesn't have enough points to get his super license, but someone, people are trying to get him in somehow, but through an exemption. I, Stefano Domenicali does not, for some reason, want an American in Formula One. Which sucks, because I'd love to see it. I mean, he pretty much go to AlphaTauri, and then Pierre Gasly will go to Alpine. Yeah. And then you'll have the all-French Alpine, which would be so fun. Him and Ocon will just be talking French to each other. It'd look adorable. I agree. And then you'd have an American back in Formula One since 2015. Right. Oh, yeah, because wasn't Will Power in or something? Yes. Or? Yeah, that would be awesome. And it would just shake it up. Yeah, exactly. I, I still want the NASCAR Formula One doubleheader in the one weekend. I think that would be just so ridiculous. And Colton looks American. You mean he's hot? <laughs> like, he just, I don't know. <laughs> sure, he's overweight. He's attractive, but he's just, I don't know. It just There's something about him that, like, looks... Like you see someone's face and you're like, yes, that is an American. I don't know. I guess I guess you can say maybe British too. He looks kind of British, but he just has a very um, he has that American smirk. It's like, <laughs> yeah, he's like, well, I don't know what I just did here, but I'll somehow figure it out. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> How old is Kurt Colton Herta? Oh, he's 22. I feel like he's young, but he's aged. He like looks like he's 35. That, but yeah, he's 22. Yeah. 
That's the thing. He does look like he's 35. So, wow, his dad is a two-time Indy 500 winner. That's pretty cool. There you go. That helps. Brian Herder. Herda. I almost read it as Byron Herder. So. Byron Herder sounds epic. That's a new character on the new Game of Thrones show. I'm yes. Byron Herder. I'm here to marry your daughter. Byron was my driving instructor's name. <laughs> really? Wow. Yeah, and when we'd go driving, all we would talk about was Chinese food. It was it was a great time. My dad was my driving instructor because he wanted to save money. Because there's like you can go to driving school and then get your license after four months. Yeah. Or you can have an adult teach a random adult teach you like your parent. Mm-hmm. And you can go for your test after six months. Right. So that was obviously the cheaper option. So my father taught me how to drive a car and it was he was the worst teacher in the world because he's like such like an anxious person to like go into angry very quickly. And Uh, that's the last person you want in the car when you're trying to merge onto a highway. (laughs) (laughs) And he's like, go now, go now, stop, stop, stop. You're going too fast. You're going too slow. Speed up. Go with traffic. Slow down. And I'm like, these are all contradictory (laughs) notes you're giving me. But I got my license though. So I guess it worked out. Same. Well, my family when uh when we're all in the family car, my uh, my parents volunteer my brothers to drive like back from New York to Philadelphia. I never volunteer because there's always like some backseat driving from one parent, and then the parent in the uh, passenger seat is like, "How like you don't need the nav system on? Like you know how to get there?" And then we'll miss a turn, and then they'll be like, "You know how how did you not know that? Like you know it's it's not it's great. Worst. It's." The it's worst. It's like Daniel Ricardo at McLaren. It does not help your confidence. Yes, 100%. So, one thing I want to bring up, I really loved watching Mick and Seb's battle each other. They had two good battles. That was the cutest thing yes. I saw all year. Yes, it felt like two puppies playing with each other because they weren't in the points. So like <laughs> their battles meant nothing. Yeah. But the way like Mick overtook Vettel and then Vettel gave him a lot of room for the overtake. I think it was lap 17. Yeah. I wrote down here. Yeah. I even wrote down, you can see the love they have for each other, especially the room Vettel left Mick on the outside. So yeah. And then they had another battle at 46. Same thing again. Mick was fighting Vettel. Uh, it was just adorable. Like I said, it's like two like young little animals, two bear cubs playing with each other. You yeah, know, it didn't mean anything, and it was just out of respect. They were just, yeah, it was like, oh, this opportunity is here. Like, if if it was anyone else for both of them, they would have gone like balls to the wall. Sure. Yeah, if it was uh, getting out of the way for Hamilton and Perez, then Vettel won't be so nice. <laughs> On lap thirty-seven, I was like mad because him ignoring those blue flags. I saw that. I I think he just. I think it was just an honest mistake. They tried to show some footage from him leaving the pit and how he could be confused. I honestly don't see it. I think he was just kind of like being a little bit of an ass. (laughs) He was just kind of shaking things up. And not to say that hurt Hamilton or Perez a lot, but it caused some damage. It really did. Because like you're in the way of a battle. And you are a lapped car. You need to get the hell out of the way. You have no reason to be in on the racing line. Yeah. And I remember it being through like multiple turns. Oh, I just saw it out being part of turn one after the pit. I didn't realize it was multiple turns. He was in the way for a little bit. 
All right, that that escaped me then. I was not paying attention then. I feel like all the conspiracy went on Yuki saying like, oh, he DNF'd on purpose to get the safety car, which is so... I, I'm not a big Yuki Sonoda fan. I think he, as a person, I like him. And I think he's hilarious. And I'd watch him on Twitch. <laughs> he's a whatever. meme. He's a meme, yeah. But as a racer, he's just so unpredictable. And he's, you know... He's, he's he seems very expensive. <laughs> yeah, he's temperamental. He's yeah. he's just young. It's what yeah. he is. I mean, also he's from Japan, so I mean, I mean, I don't really know. You know, all these racers are from different parts of the world, so their sure. cultures are very different. Yeah, but you know, once you join Formula One, you're part of an international. You're representing an international. Yeah company so you kind of have to abide by that culture than your home culture and you're being judged by a bunch of different cultures like yes. here i am as an american judging him you know way he acts or way someone else acts and their culture is fine right but it doesn't matter like the whole thing of saying he said he had a loose tire on purpose turned out to be a rear, a rear differential so he did actually have an issue and then yeah. when he pitted, he had another issue with his steering wheel. He had a long, long pit. I think it was right down 47 seconds. Oh, yeah. They, were, they were tightening his belts. They were doing belts. And he, I think he was also having an issue with the steering wheel, too. Shoot. I didn't realize that. Yeah. So there's no way this guy is acting as if his car is falling apart around him. And at the same time, planning to have a safety car come out you know, to help out a different team. Sure, there's ownership and there's, you know, that's AlphaTauri and Red Bull, but still, it's a different team. It's just a little sus and... Yeah. And Batas is the one who caused that safety... Right? Wasn't Batas the one who caused that safety car? Because he, he stopped. Yeah, didn't Latifi go into him or something? Oh, I don't remember. I... I miss that. I remember K Mag just overcooked it and almost went right into the wall. I lap not, one. <laughs> yeah, I mean, not that I want him to get hurt, but I thought it was pretty funny that, like, of course that would happen to a Haas. And I will say this about that Haas was there was like no damage. He like ate it on that wall and he was fine. He went back onto the track and he was like still good. I think like nothing broke off, all the wings were fine. Yeah, I that was that was <laughs> God's work. That was so God's work because he like dug up so much gravel and dirt. That was yeah, and at this race they actually painted over like a couple like feet uh like two feet of gravel so that it wouldn't go up into the track. Wow. It was like right on the edge of the track. They painted it, not painted it, they just Wow, what's it called? Like, you know how like when people make these like pieces of art with like a, like a piece of wood, and they it's like they pour this like plasticky kind of goo in the middle. Oh, um, like adding a clear coat to it. It's not enamel epoxy. Epoxy, yeah. Like if you dip a butterfly in it and then have it as like a coaster. I don't know if that's a real thing, but it feels like that would be a real thing. Hi, everybody. Joe Leonardo here. And this is Andrew Berger. 
Along with being the hosts of Stateside F1, Andrew and I are audio engineers with thousands of hours of podcast experience. Between the both of us, we've worked with a wide variety of companies from Google to Discovery as editors, mixers, sound designers, and even social media managers. If it's a companion podcast for a TV show or just a hobby among friends, we can help you with your podcast. Feel free to reach out to us at statesidef1 at gmail.com. Speaking of like doing that kind of stuff, I actually read an article that the Judean fig tree that is quoted in the Torah as like the, you know, the land of Israel, the land of milk and honey and, you know, full of figs or dates. I think it's dates actually. I don't really know anything about Israel and I never really, I never knew that they were the land of milk and honey. I mean, just just leave that stuff to me. Don't worry. <laughs> okay. Anytime I have an Israeli question, what's going on between Israeli and Palestine? Oh, uh, that no, that's that's. <laughs> I just know biblical stuff. <laughs> but um, anyway, I just read they they found seeds because the tree was extinct based off of the Romans pillaging Israel and you know destroying the temple and you know being not great people. Um. But anyways, like, like uh, seeds were found of this tree years ago, and they're just kind of hidden away in some drawer. And some scientist, like, fifteen years ago, was like, you know what? Like, screw it. I'm gonna like plant this and see what happens. And just recently, they like they had the first harvest of the female fig tree. So now they're trying to repopulate, you know, this tree and expand, you know, conserve it. Wait, so how old were the seeds? Like 2,000 years old. That's wild. Crazy, right? Yeah, there's like a bank somewhere. I want to say like it's in Switzerland or Finland or something. Someplace up north. Yeah. That like they have, it's like the International Seed Bank. And it's like engraved in the side of a mountain and they carry seeds of every plant just in case there's some sort of mass extinction. If there's a mass extinction, though, what? Yeah, the first thing I'm not going to be like, let's plant, you know, poison ivy, you know. Yeah. It's going to be like, how are we going to get water? Well, the funny thing is, I bet you if a mass extinction happened, the next generation, I bet you they would see, um, the first thing they would watch would be Batman, and they'd see poison ivy. And then they'd be like, well, I guess we should... uh, plant some of this because poison ivy turns into a beautiful woman damn she's hot yo let's plant that and and that's how poison ivy took over the world and they're like i want to plant my seed <laughs> but don't but um bump bump bow i've just recently learned that like what's her name oh my god what's her name uma thurman uma thurman like had a horrible time filming kill bill and apparently tarantino put her in like a lot of dangerous situations. I feel like I've heard that. And she said, I'm never going to work with him again. Well, there are two Kill Bills, though. But they basically were filmed as one long movie and then split into two movies. Oh, 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 like like uh, uh, Avengers. Yeah, or Lord of the Rings or something. Like all three of those movies were filmed as one huge project and then broken into three movies. Oh, God, I didn't realize that. Hold yeah. on. Wow. I'm rereading all those books. I'm like on a big Lord of the Rings kick and I started watching the show 
Oh yeah, my my friends started watching the new Game of Thrones show. They said it's pretty good. I've been watching both. I've been watching both, and I'm enjoying both. I'm one of the very few out there that likes both Game of Thrones and Lord of the Rings because they each scratch a different itch for fantasy for me. Game of Thrones is very political, very adult, and uh, okay. I, I enjoy that. I enjoy watching like political dramas, and like there's a lot of adult themes in it, and it's fun because I'm. A uh, man, so I like adult things. Apparently, Lord of the Rings scratches the itch of it's like childlike fantasy, which I yeah. love. It's about friendship and kindness, and people are watching it, being like, "This is for kids." I'm like, "Dude, have you read the books? They're children's books. Yeah, they're supposed to be for kids and supposed to be very kind." And I love that about it, and it's beautiful. See, Lord of the Rings fans probably uh, are turning into Star Wars fans now. Every Star Wars fan, ever since the prequels, are like, what the hell, man? This isn't Star Wars. This is... Yeah, Lord of the Rings is the original of that. Tolkien has taken his Bible. Even when the first three came out in the 99, I think, Fellowship came out, or if it was 2000, I can't remember. Uh, 2001. It was 2001, or it started filming in 99, and then it was re- released, yeah, later on. It is like, you know... They removed Tom uh, Bombadil or whatever his name is. Tom Bombadil. You know, how could they? Yeah, because it's like 40 pages of them just dancing in a forest. Like nothing's happening. Of course they'd remove it from a movie. I mean, same thing with Harry Potter movies as well, I suppose. Like they pulled out all of the Quidditch from some of the mo- some of the books. Like there's one book where there's a lot of Quidditch and it was not shown in the movie at all. But a movie you're just trying to move the plot in two hours. That's hard. <laughs> I like reading, uh, I forget what book I just read. It's by Dale Carnegie. It's called, it's like how to meet people. It's essentially a book of how to make people like you and how to network and how to. It sounds very businessy. Yeah. Well, you know. Is it that book that's like called, I know there's like a famous one, Influence Without Authority. Have you ever heard of that one? It's so the title of this book is like how to make friends and influence people. Very cool book on how to engage people and. Spread your wings and be uh, a conversational butterfly. It's really, really entertaining book. I enjoyed it. Yeah, I like it. Awesome. So <laughs> we mentioned the racing and the controversy, but these Max Verstappen fans, Joe, I... Yeah, the Orange Army. You take issue with the Orange Army? Yeah, very different quality of fan next to... The Lewis Hamilton, the Sebastian Vettel, the Michael Schumacher, the Fernando Alonso fans. Yeah, those are the, I would say those are the rings of power fans. Yes. The Max fans are the House of Dragon fans. <laughs> to bring it back to Lord of the Rings. Please. Uh, listen, they're excited. They're very excited. And honestly, they're, they're seeing their guy become world champion again. So I get it. I get the energy. But like the flares throwing them on the tracks, delaying the race is crappy to say the least. And apparently one of the guys, cause there was multiple flares that caused flags. There was a short one in Q3 and there was one before Q3 or Q2. I can't remember now. Okay. Yes. Q2. That was the one that was thrown by a security officer. So a security officer grabbed the flare from someone else and then whipped it at the track. What? Just it's dangerous for so many parties. You just delay. 
just delaying the race. It's just stupid. It's just stupid. And it's like, you're not a real fan if you're just there causing chaos. Yeah. I mean, and it doesn't really seem like Red Bull or Verstappen or there. It seems like they're doing the least amount they can to settle the fans down. Totally. Because they don't want to, it's almost like when you, I'm not comparing Max Verstappen to Donald Trump, but it's almost like you don't want to anger your base. You know what I mean? It's like that Trump things being like, Hey, these you know, both sides are banned. Oh my God. Yeah. Especially during the uh, insurrection. Go home. We, we love, love you. you. Yeah. It's like take a whopper on the way out. Oh my God. Yeah. Remember when Trump had like, like a whole Burger all the, King, all the like, burgers. <laughs> yeah, dude, that was a baller move. I will say that at least. I was like, when that happened, I was like, I'm not a Trump fan at all. It's like this is hilarious. Just someone who has the balls to pull that. <laughs> this though. is so hilarious. But on athletes, like yeah, as it was well. like football players or something. Yeah, these guys, they don't look like it, but they eat clean as hell. Yeah, yeah. I mean, when I, I remember when I was in school, all, like the the athletes at my college, like all they ate was like grilled chicken and salad. Yeah, and, just a ton of protein. Yeah, and like and fiber. Yes, and I'd be there eating like my fried chicken sandwich <laughs> with like Frank's Red Hot and blue cheese all over it. Oh, it was like so disgusting, but it's like I would still eat it today. <laughs> I had a uh, I was going to the gym like hard a couple of years ago. And I'd focus on like going to the gym, but like not dieting. So I would be like, why do I feel like some days I feel awful? And then some days I feel great. And I was talking to someone at the gym and they're like, well, what did you eat before? I'm like, I had a Philly cheese steak <laughs> <laughs> and then went to the gym. And he's like, well, there's your issue. You found your problem. <laughs> I was eating like a 12 inch Philly cheese steak and then going to the gym and like, why do I feel awful? Oh, bro, no. And then some, and then like one time I'd have like a sweet green salad. And I'm like, I'm, I feel I have so much energy right now. I feel light and nimble. Anyways, let's move to predictions. Let's do it. All right. So I feel like I'm doing super well in North America and or at least in America, because I think I'm fourth for forecast F1. Oh. So I'm going to keep my streak going. So come join us, actually, everyone. I guess I'll do this pitch. Everyone, come join us on Forecast F1. Go to forecast-f1.com. Sign up. Tell us you signed up. Give us your name, and we'll add you to our stateside F1 league so you can go up against Andrew and I. Uh, right now, we're doing pretty good. We're doing pretty good. I feel we're, if you were a team, which team would we be? I would say we're... Alpine. Okay. Would you agree? I'm feeling more McLaren. Maybe I'm Lando. You're Danny Rick right now for points. You're back there, but everyone loves you. Oh, man. So, yes, what? So, I, I'm about to get fired from stateside <laughs> F1. Is that no, what you're saying? No, I'm just saying <laughs> points wise right now. <laughs> you're back there. Right now, I'm doing uh, photo shoots for different handbags. I can't remember what the company was. I was walking in the airport. I saw a big thing of like Lando Norris, like holding a bag or something <laughs> or like a laptop thing. Oh, you know, what was it for a company called to me? Yes. Yeah. Yes. It was for to me. 
Anyways, you're the hunter, you're the honey badger. I'm holding Toomey bags. Hey man, Toomey bags, they're they're pretty sleek, man. I'd uh <laughs> as Ferris Bueller would say, if you have the means, I'd highly recommend picking one up. <laughs> nice. What are your suggestions for Monza next week? Starting with pole and then after the race, first, second, third. So pole for Monza, because it's it's very much a power track. Verstappen gets pole. And then top three would be Verstappen, Russell, and then Leclerc. Cause I just want Ferrari to just feel that like so close yet so far. Ferrari does not deserve the win at Monza. Mm. They're they're gonna have these bright yellow racing suits, but the mustard. Yeah, I mean Ferrari just they they don't deserve anything this year. No, I agree. Also, what you just uh, suggested w- w- was exactly what happened this past week. Yes, at the uh, Dutch Grand Prix, it was Max pole, Max one, two was Russell, three was Leclerc. You're right. I have a I have a similar suggestion i think obviously max pole monza is a very a lot of straights on monza it's a very straightforward track and a lot of a lot of overtaking spots so yeah speed is going to be a huge factor red bulls got that speed yeah so pole is going to be max so for the race results one two and three max is going to get it he can show up like halfway through a race and still get first yeah this guy's unstoppable right now Two, I'm going to say Leclerc. Because the Ferrari is fast. It is a good car when it's not exploding, when they're not making horrible decisions. Right? When it's working, Leclerc is fantastic. Signs is fantastic. Yeah. I mean, just on the last race, not, not to make a big deal of this, with everything that happened to Signs, he got eighth. He was still in the points. Right? With everything yeah. that happened with him. Yes. They replaced only three tires and then they left the gun in the pit lane. And then who drove over it? Was it Checo drove over yeah, it? Yeah. Come on. What, what is going on with the pit crew? What is going on with the, the strategy? What is going on with the management? They're, they're apparently an RV broke down. Oh yeah. The brakes caught fire. Yeah. The brakes caught fire. All of that is happening, but still they're hitting points. They're doing good. So, when when they are not in their own way, they do well. So I'm going to put Leclerc second because I'm going to bet on them not <laughs> fumbling the ball too much. And third. Bold. Yeah. Uh, third, I'm going to go with Russell. Okay. He's making his own decisions. He's been killing it. He is the sleeper. Uh, I don't even think he's – I wouldn't even call him a sleeper because what is the the lowest he's gotten is – Besides, obviously, uh, the DNF. But a fifth, I think, is the lowest he's gotten all season, right? I have to double-check that. I think that's true. I'm going to say, besides Silverstone, which was the DNF, because that was the whole uh, Joe Guan Yu incident. Um, oh, yeah. He has been killing it, and he's doing great. But, yeah, that's my one, two, three. Max, Leclerc, Russell, Max on pole. And then on Forecast F1, I'm going to fill out the rest, one through ten. Andrew the same, and we're going to post it on our Instagram. So if you want to join us, be a part of our league, go to forecastf1.com, forecast-f1.com, sign up, DM us, tell us you signed up, 
and we will add you to our league. Thank you for listening to Stateside F1. Please like, comment, subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your sweet, sweet podcast content. Follow us on Instagram at StatesideF1 and TikTok at StatesideF1 Podcast. And feel free to DM us, send us memes, comments, questions, suggestions, etc. We will respond and follow you back. See y'all next week. Bye.